Yes, Lord, we declare with all of heaven that you are worthy. You are the worthy one, that there is no one who compares to you. There, there is no one that we look to. There is no one that we ascribe worth, honor, glory, power, and thanks to other than you, Jesus. Be highly and rightly exalted in this place today, in, in our hearts and in our minds. Uh, let, our, let our worship of you uh, just ring out not only through the ways that we, that, we, that we sing, but in the way that we just respond in, with wholehearted obedience to your word. So God, be honored, be, be celebrated, be, be exalted in this place, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Well, good morning, he is risen. He is risen indeed, amen. Well, my name is Travis, I'm the lead pastor here at Antioch. And I am so thankful that you have joined us today to celebrate the risen Lord. Uh, and it is right that we do so. And um, it's not just a, a, a tradition, though there's nothing wrong with tradition that, that we go through at, at, a, at a holiday like this. Um, it's so much more uh, than, than religious activity. It is a, a declaration of our hope. It, it is the celebration of that which we celebrate throughout the year, but taking one specific day or season uh, to to. Thank God uh, with, with a fullness of exuberance for his resurrection uh, uh, and conquering of death and, and sin that we might experience life, uh, the fullness of life here and forevermore. I want to I wanna read real quick how Paul uh, put it in a letter that he wrote to the church at Corinth, okay? And, and I think it just captures why it is that um, we are, we're dancing, we're jumping, we're celebrating um, because it, it deserves it, all right? So here's how he put it, 1 Corinthians 15. If Christ had not raised from death, then we have nothing to preach and you have nothing to believe. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is a delusion and you are still lost in your sins. It would also mean that the believers in Christ who have died are lost. If our hope in Christ is good for this life only and no more, then we deserve more pity than anyone else in all the world. But the truth is that Christ has been raised from death as the guarantee that those who sleep in death will also be raised. For just as death came by means of a man, in the same way the rising from death comes by means of a man. For just as all the people die because of their union with that man, Adam, in the same way all will be raised to life because of their union with Christ. And so it is that it is right for us to exuberantly celebrate the resurrection of Christ from the dead. Uh, without it, we, we have nothing. There is no celebration. There is no life in Christ. There is no freedom from sin. And so we rightfully uh, celebrate with exuberance today 
and every day. And so uh, thank you for being here to join in in, in doing that. Uh, we got a, got a text yesterday from um, a member of our, our team that serves over in Indonesia and they were, they were celebrating at 5 a.m. in the morning, which is a great idea. There's some sunrise services. So they were celebrating for 5 a.m. Um, and, it, and it went all the way till nine, so four hours. So, uh, and there's no service after this one. So we might, get, we might uh, just go for it, you know? Uh, just like, <laughs> Just like they were going for it, but uh, but we uh, but we are excited nonetheless to uh, to just be here today to worship Him. Uh, I, I think today there's a couple of things that that um, that God wants to do. There there is a, a new way that He wants us to see Him and, and be in all of His glory and His Majesty, the the power of His resurrection and the life that we have in Him. I believe that he's going to show us that, that he wants to just reveal even more of that to us. I also believe that God, on a very personal level, wants you to know your value and your worth. To, to see the, 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 what we're celebrating today as a, as a pursuit, as a love pursuit on, on, the, on the behalf of, of God uh, through his son, Jesus. What I mean by that is that uh, we, we love and, and uh, the stories that we, that we tell and the books that we read and the films that we watch often have within them uh, the, 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 the pursuit of love and the pursuit of, of demonstrating that love to another person and, uh, and rescue and, and, and redemption. And we, we love that story that fuels most good stories and, uh, and all of that. All of those stories find their origin in this story, in the way that there was a God who so loved the world that he gave his son, that he, he pursued uh, us in our waywardness. He demonstrated his love and that while we were still sinners, uh, his son, Jesus, came and he gave up his life for us so that then he might uh, come back to life and conquer the very thing that held us in slavery, our, our fear of death and sin. And so it's, this, it's, this, it's the ultimate story of a love pursuit. And we, we, try to, we try to do that in our own lives. We try to convey that kind of pursuit to those that we love. I, I, I particularly think of in dating and, and engagement my brother, when he uh, proposed to, to his now wife, he rented an airplane for, and they flew to like a, a, a romantic destination to have dinner, propose and flew back. I'm like, who does that? Like, who, who does that? But he wanted to express something. We have a, another friend and she, uh, uh, she was being pursued by uh, a young man that had uh, already turned her down, uh, that she'd already turned down a couple of times, uh, but he was nothing if not persistent. And, uh, and so she was, uh, she was running a race, the Boston Marathon. She was going to be running in it. And, uh, and uh, he decided, uh, at, even though there were many around him that discouraged this effort of pursuit, uh, he decided as a strapping uh, a young Italian man who actually was a D1 strength and conditioning coach. So he, he pulled it off, I guess. Uh, but he decided to, to uh, carve her initials in his chest hair. Um, and, uh, and so it was definitely memorable if nothing else, and, and kudos to him. I could never do that even if I wanted to. Uh, it would definitely not be anything legible. Um, and, so, and so he does it, and, and it turns out to be another no and a little bit of shock and maybe a portion of disgust, but uh, they, 
but they now have three kids and are happily married. So you, you never know in this like pursuit of, of, of love, you know? Um, for, for me, I, I found myself somewhere in, in the middle wanting to communicate my love, but I, 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 was, I um, was very nervous. We were going up as, uh, to propose and uh, I, it was a surprise, but I was acting really weird. And she just kept asking me like, what's, some, is everything okay? I'm like, yes, it's fine. I'm just like, I'm sweating, my palms are sweating. I'm nervous. We're running late. We're trying to do it. I'm trying to do it at sunset um, up at Halibut Point, which was on the tip of Cape Ann. So we were living in Boston and, uh, the cool thing about uh, the capes up there, particularly Cape Cod, is that you can go out to the tip of Cape Cod and you can watch the sunset over the ocean because you get so far out away from the mainland that you can't see the land and it looks like the, the sun is setting over the ocean there. And so Cape Ann is kind of like that, except you can see the land in the distance. Anyway, so we're there. We've got a blanket all set up out there that some friends had set up, some candles floating in the waters, the red petals, you know. I've got, of course, my Bible sitting out there and we're reading. I, I read a psalm and I put our name in it, you know, it's just, that was perfect, you know. Uh, my guitar, um, my guitar was out there. I had written her a song and so I sang it to her and, uh, and then proposed. She says, yes. And then uh, we're walking back up and we had a handful of friends that were out there kind of watching from a distance and they, they started singing, going to the chapel. And so it was this fun celebration with our friends. Um, and then I had bought her a dress, risky move, but, but it, it worked out okay. Um, um, and uh, we, got, we got dressed up and went uh, to, to out to eat at this like uh, fancy restaurant top of the hub in Boston that overlooks the city and had a dozen roses waiting there on the table and a little book that I had written uh, filled with like it's, uh, our story, like wrote out our story and pictures along with it. And so, man, I, I went, I was like, girl, I, I want you to be my wife, you know, that's what I'm trying to express. Like I am pursuing you and, and I, want you, I want you to know that. And, and really I want you to, you know, have no choice but to say yes. And I want you to be my man, you know, and, uh, and to be in awe of my, my love for her, okay? And so th this is the, 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 any pursuit that we give here on the earth is only a, a mere shadow, a diluted shadow of, of the pursuit, the love pursuit of Jesus towards us in, in that we were created to be in awe of him and, and the Bible, God, God's word is, a, is a, a description of who he is, where it, even fr from the beginning, the prophet Isaiah is speaking that this one, Jesus, this Messiah that would come, he is a wonderful counselor. He is a mighty God. He is a prince of peace. He, he, is, a, he is an everlasting father. And he's just described as the, the Lord of Lord, the King of Kings. We, we saw a couple of weeks ago in Revelation 1 that the risen Jesus is, is um, just emanating with light and glory and majesty, so much so that, that John, who was writing about this revel, the revelation of seeing Jesus, fell down on his face like a dead man. Even though he, he knew Jesus and walked with Jesus on this earth, he, he was overwhelmed by the glory and majesty of Jesus. And, and he is pursuing us. Uh, the human heart was made to stand in awe uh, of, of who he is. And so if, if our hearts are not taken up with him, you know, if, if our hearts are, are not in a place like, in that place of awe, then we don't have to look very far to find 
the source of our frustration in life, of, of our hopelessness in life, uh, of, of feeling a, a lack of, of self-worth. Um, we, don't, we don't have to look beyond the fact that we're not finding our awe in who he is. That, that, that it's in that place of recognizing his majesty and his glory that, um, that we find life and purpose and where all the other things that so often trouble us and bring us down and cause anxiety or fear, they begin to melt away. They begin to move into their right perspective. Doesn't mean that they go away completely, but they find their right perspective beneath the glory and majesty of our God. And so there's this this, um, way that God wants to to, um, bring us into this place of awe in who he is and at his pursuit of us. So let's continue this morning uh, as we go to re- back to Revelation chapter five to, to do what I believe God wants to do, to allow him to expand our, our place of all uh, of who he is by looking at, at what he's done and what he's going to do, all right? So we're, we've been in a series in the book of Revelation uh, called Living with the End in Sight. That means we wanna live uh, our lives today acknowledging what the Bible tells us is coming. And we specifically said living with the end in sight because John here in the book of Revelation was commissioned by God to write, the, to write down in this, this book what he sees. It's a little bit of a difficult task to to write everything that you see, especially when he's seeing the heavenly throne room, but he begins to write it down. So our task then is to read what he writes and then see it. Can we see it for for what it is? And so that's been our heart and our desire over our weeks of study in the book of Revelation, particularly chapter five, is to see, to to allow ourselves to see what it is that what John is writing about. And specifically in Revelation four and five, he's writing about the throne room of heaven. He's describing the throne room of heaven, God seated on his throne and worship surrounding him as he has firmly established his rule and his authority. He has a, a scroll. We left off with this picture of God having a scroll in his right hand. And this scroll is, is, uh, is the picture for us of all the plans and purposes of God. It represents the decrees of God co- concerning what will happen in the future. It's sealed up with, with these seven seals and, and the, these seals represent kind of the, the, un, the unfolding of, of history and, the, uh, and time leading up to the end where the, the rest of the scroll is the story of the final triumph of God's kingdom. And we read last week that John is sitting there and he's growing in anticipation. Like these are the, God, the scroll, it's the plans and purposes of God. It's everything we've been waiting for. It it is God coming in his goodness and in his kingdom and in his glory and and him stopping all evil. And and it's, it's God coming and his plans going forth. But then there's an angel that cries out, who is worthy to open the scroll? So John, John's looking around like, who's it going to be? Who's going to step up? Who is the one that's worthy? And in that moment, John begins to get anxious. Like, wait a second, there's nobody moving, nobody's saying anything. And it would appear for that moment that there is no one who is worthy to open the scroll. 
God himself uh, cannot open it. It's not that he cannot because he lacks the power or strength or purity himself to open it, but God cannot open the scroll because what's written on that scroll is going to bring such grace, such, uh, such joy, uh, uh, such eternal pleasure and redemption to repentant sinners who deserve judgment because of their sin, because of their rebellion. They deserve death. They deserve the judgment of God because of their sin, because of their rebellion against him. So because God is a righteous judge, he cannot offend that aspect of who he is by then unveiling this, this scroll of his plans and purposes of redemption of repentant sinners without there being some kind of price paid, without there being some kind of redemption and ransom uh, for, for the, 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 uh, the debt that is owed. He cannot open it. And so the angel is saying, who, who is worthy to open it? And John begins to weep and weep, we're told in verse four. He begins to weep uncontrollably because everything that he had believed in, all the hopes that he had were, 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 being, were being dashed in this moment because everything that he believed about God, it was like, it's true, but there's no one worthy to see it unfold. And so he's, he's devastated. And as he's crying, we go on and we read there in verse five that one of the elders, those that were surrounding the throne, worshiping God, says to him, do not weep. You don't have to weep anymore. Pull it together, man. See the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has triumphed and he is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. And so John is, is hearing this elder proclaim uh, who it is that, that's come, who it is that's worthy, telling him don't weep. And, and he's got this picture of a lion. A, a lion, of course, represents uh, majesty. It represents conquering. It re represents triumph. It had become the symbol of Judah, which was uh, the lineage of Jesus. He came from the tribe of Judah, the, the prophetic word or the blessing that Judah received is he, he would be a cub and that the scepter would never depart from his house. Like, and, and we see that, the, the, that many of the, or most of all the, the righteous kings that ever led Israel came out of the house of Judah and that one day the Messiah would sit on the throne of David that is also mentioned here, the, the king, the beloved king that led Israel into their golden age, that the Messiah would one day sit on his throne forever. And so it seems right and fitting that it would be a lion that is depicted. The lion of the tribe of Judah has come and he is worthy to open the scrolls and he, he will overcome. He will be victorious. And so John, uh, you know, you can kind of picture like he's trying to clear out his eyes. He's been sobbing uncontrollably. His eyes are all puffy and he's trying to get out. But he's, but he's looking and he's like, then I saw a lamb. He's like, wait, is that a lamb? No, it's gotta be a lion. No, it's a lamb. He turns and he doesn't see a lion. It says, then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. And the lamb had seven horns and seven eyes 
which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. So he turns and he sees a lamb, but it is no ordinary lamb. First of all, this lamb had seven horns, okay? We've never seen a lamb like that. We've been talking about how Revelation uh, uses imagery to describe and to give meaning and, and depth to, to the reader and specifically the, the reader that would have been reading it in these days that would have had uh, per perhaps more knowledge of some of the, the other literature that was written in the same form that spoke of the coming of the Messiah. But these seven horns, first of all, were, there were seven of them and we've talked about this I think every week because seven is used often in Revelation uh, as a number that represents completeness, fullness. It's come to its maturity or perfection. And, and so uh, we then know that the horns, both in Revelation as well as the, the Old Testament, uh, something that has a horn is represented to, to have authority or power or strength. And so this lamb has all authority, power, and strength. Complete power and authority belong to this lamb. We also see that the lamb has seven eyes and, and it re uh, refers to the, the spirit of God, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago in Revelation 1, the, the perfect spirit, the Holy Spirit. And not only the, that, but specifically speaking of a spirit of wisdom and revelation that can see, there are eyes to see. And so this lamb is all powerful. This lamb is also all seeing or all knowing, has all wisdom and revelation. So this is no ordinary lamb. This is a lamb that comes with all power and all knowledge. And so actually it's a lamb that acts a lot more like a lion. You know, we talk about Jesus being the lion and the lamb. And so this is the picture of that. He, he is a, a, a lamb that, that walks around acting a lot more like a lion. In fact, the, the lamb continues to be spoken of throughout the book of Revelation. At one, at one point in time, it says in, verse, in chapter 6, verse 16, it says that men called out to the mountains and rocks and said, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. The, the, the judgment of God coming against the, the, the wickedness and evil of the world. Later on in chapter 17, verse 14, where the, the final enemies of God fight against Jesus, it says they will make war on the lamb. And the lamb will conquer them for he is Lord of lords and king of kings. We serve no ordinary lamb and, and maybe even more peculiar um, than the horns or the eyes is this, this picture of the lamb standing as if slain. Standing as if slain. So it's a, a lamb that has been slain but we do not find this lamb in a heap on the floor. We find this lamb standing. We, we find this lamb victorious over that which was death to the lamb. And so he stands victorious, a victorious lamb that looks a lot like we would picture a lion. And even more beautiful is the thought that this lamb here in resurrection glory still carries around the marks that identify him with our sin and our shame. The, 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 these wounds, these, these mortal wounds 
for, for the lamb whose neck would have been slain, for the savior who was pierced for our transgressions. He still carries around the marks of our sin on his body. And in that way, we begin to see the lion of the tribe of Judah that acted a lot more like a lamb, that gave itself up to be sacrificed. Uh, uh, The lion of the tribe of Judah that had all power to conquer, to overcome, to triumph, that gave itself up to become the lamb that would be the sacrifice for you and I to experience life. So you have this beautiful picture of the, of the lion and the lamb. And we're told in verse seven, go, reading on, that he, the lamb, went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scrolls and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. So we see the, the worship of heaven that we talked a lot about last week begin directing itself and the song being uh, sung, directing itself towards worship of the lamb. The one who it says was worthy to take the scroll and open its seals, to, to unfold the plans and purposes of God. And why was the lamb worthy? Because you were slain. And with your blood, purchase for God persons from every tribe, language, and people, and nation. And so he conquered sin, and he conquered death that we were bound to. He conquered Satan and the the schemes of the enemy, not just because he was a, a lion that operated in victory, but because he was willing to be a lion who gave himself up as a sacrificial lamb. And so without Jesus, there's nothing but weeping. There's nothing but weeping. There is no no overcoming of sin. There there is no triumphal church. There there is no walking in, in perfect union with God. There is no triumph for the gospel. There, there is no hope. There is no groom for the bride, as we talked about last week. There is no eternal life. Without Jesus, there's only weeping. But he has come. And so we rejoice at, at the, the sacrifice of the, the, of the unblemished lamb. This is how Peter said it. Peter was another one of the disciples of Jesus that walked closely with him, and he writes a letter that describes it in this way. First Peter chapter one, I wanna read just verses 18 and 19. For you know 
that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. For you know, and I want to make sure today that we know what he's talking about. And that is specifically, do you know what you are worth? Do you know what you are worth to him? That's what's being described here. You were not redeemed with perishable things such as silver or gold, which are, by the way, like the two most valuable things that we have here on this earth, right? But that, that, that didn't, that's, that wouldn't do it. That doesn't describe the worth and value that you have to him. That can only be described with the precious blood of his infinitely worthy son, Jesus, that, that was shed, that was given up, that was poured out for you and me. The, the, the perfect lamb, it says here in 1 Peter, without blemish or defect. It couldn't be a lamb that was defective, that was blemished. Even in the Old Testament, that would not do when they were making sacrifice for, for, for penalty of sin. They were making the sacrifice of the animals. It, could, it had to be a, an unblemished lamb. And so it was that Christ lived a perfect life. And God, in the end, demonstrated his love for us in the fact that his perfect son would be given up, would die. Not because we had figured things out and we were trying to live righteous, good lives. No, he died for us while we were sinners, lost and wayward and rebellious. There, there are some here this morning that, that Jesus is just inviting you this morning to come to him and you've never known relationship with him. And this morning he's saying, you are so valuable to me. And I want you to know your value and I want you to know your worth. And, and I wanna spend the rest of your life telling you it and describing it to you. And I, I wanna spend the rest of your life giving you purpose and filling your days with hope and with freedom, not with fear and bondage. I wanna set you free. And that's what he's inviting you into this morning. There are others of you here who have walked with Jesus. You have a relationship with him, but you've forgotten or you do not know how much you're worth. And we need to step back and again, stand in awe of him. Let our hearts stand in awe of him because our, our hearts were made to, to find awe in who he is and to find our purpose and to find our value based on who he is and who he has said that we are. He has gone to extreme lengths to say, girl, boy, I, I want you to be mine. I want my love to speak for itself so that you will come to me and that you will have relationship with me. So there's a place for us to respond to that today. Because when we respond wholeheartedly in that way, it only causes our worship of him, 
our worship of his resurrection and his glory to increase. Because he is a God who is not only all powerful and all glorious, but who is all loving and all knowing as he looks into our lives with care and concern for us. And so Lord, today I pray that we would just receive from you your great love for us, your great pursuit of our hearts and our lives, that there would not be one person who would leave this room today without responding to your invitation to relationship. There would be not one person that leaves this room today without responding to the knowledge that they are valuable because you gave up your life that we might experience freedom. And we confess that there is no other way to the Father and to the pleasures that are his right hand, to knowing the intimacy of a perfect father apart from Jesus. So Jesus, would you be exalted in this place? Would you make yourself known, we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me? We're gonna spend some time responding to God. We're gonna have a ministry team up here in the front. If you need prayer for anything, I wanna, I wanna challenge you to come forward and receive prayer, to take that step of vulnerability and just say, man, I need, I need prayer. It doesn't have to be a huge thing, anything big or small to come forward and receive prayer, whether it be something that you're struggling with financially or relationally or physically, whatever it might be, we believe that God answers prayer. And if there's anyone that would love to talk about how can I know Jesus? How can I know this life that you're speaking of? How can I, 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 wanna, I, wanna, I wanna jump into his love or I wanna learn more about it. We'd love to talk with you about that as well. So I would invite you to come forward. And as always, the front's open for anybody who just wants to come, get on their knees and worship the Lord because he's worthy of worship. So let's not let this moment slip by without responding to him wholeheartedly, however he's leading you to respond.